Welcome to the Titan Sapien Coach Mac Podcast, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plan. Need great health care coverage with an affordable price tag? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans for 75 years. I am Amy Wells. Mac is, of course, here too. And thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. Let's, uh, let's update ourselves a little bit here. The Titans are coming off of a win over the Houston Texans. They are now 5-2 and two this season. They've won five games in a row. They're also 3-0 and oh in the division. Mac, your thoughts? Well, 3-0 and oh in the division is the big stick there. I mean, that's this time of year, you need to start positioning yourself and getting ready for the tournament somewhere. And if you're leading your division right now, you've got a pretty good chance. And so that, that's extremely important. Now, we fought through a lot of injuries. Everybody that follows this podcast knows of the n- number of injuries that the Titans have had to some significant people. They've still been able, as you said, to string five in a row together. We're coming up on a pretty good stretch here now with teams we're going to play, and we won't be jumping ahead any, but you start to look at this team this week that we're going into play. It's a much different animal than that one we just beat down in Houston. Well, let's talk about the one we just beat okay. there a little bit. Um, just a, a brief summary, two of the biggest storylines in that game – Derrick Henry's historic performance and Malik Willis's first start at quarterback. So let's start with Malik a little bit. What did you like about his performance on Sunday? Well, I mean, you know, he operated the offense. I mean, that's that's a big stage for a young man like that coming from Liberty. I'm not quite sure that the atmosphere of Liberty versus Old Dominion is exactly like what he's experienced down there you know, or what uh, he's going to experience anywhere else in the National Football League. So that was a that was a, a big jump as far as to be able to get out there and play. He had a pretty uneven performance. I think that's fair to say that. You know, it was it was very uneven, but he, but he hung in there. He had a couple of things go wrong. He didn't let it derail him completely. But he had a pretty good security blanket back there behind him that he could turn and hand it to. So I knew that this was going to be a, an adventure for him. It's going to continue to be. Uh, if he has to play. So I think uneven is pretty fair to say, but uh, the jump that he's making now from where he was, he's miles ahead of where he was when he showed up here on campus in May. So he's just got to continue to improve. Is one of the main areas that he can make improvement trying to string together a game that's more consistent, or is there one specific thing that he could really work on? Well, I mean, it's still getting rid of the ball on time. Timing with receivers, Amy's timing with receivers. There were a couple of times, uh, and, and you could tell that, you know, the, the one schemed play to Chig that was open, the corner route, the tight end corner route, he got so anxious and so antsy because the guy was wide open that he that he missed him. He didn't follow through. You know, he just he hurried his throw. He's going to have to learn to to slow his motor down even though the clock has sped up in the speed of the game. He still does not is not in sync with what the speed of the game is and syncing that up with the speed of how he has to perform. And so that will all come in time. But I would say that one of the bigger things, and I'm sure the coaching staff has talked to him about, is just timing with the throws. Because the one throw that he, that he threw that was intercepted, he held on to it too long. And then when he did let it go, the corner had a chance to tailpipe the receiver and get in the back end of it, and then the throw was behind him. So all of those things have to be cleaned up, but it starts with his timing. Let's talk a little bit about Derrick Henry, who you so affectionately referred to as a security blanket. I really like that. He set the franchise record for touchdowns, passing Eddie George, 
He had 75. He had two against Houston to get to 75, I should say. He didn't have 75 in one game. That would be crazy. He also had 219 rushing yards in a single game, which that is actually kind of crazy. That's a lot of rushing yards in a single game. Is that even more impressive to you, given that going into this game, everybody knew that this was going to be a run-heavy game for the Tennessee Titans? Oh, I think you hit on it. It was very impressive to me. I mean, everybody knew. I mean, Lovey Smith knew. You know, Houston knew. And, you know, they wherever Derrick Henry steps off the bus, he's going to see eight men in the box. I mean, that's just going to happen. And that's what he was seeing in this ball game. And he just they just kept handing it to him. Kept handing it to him. Had film variations of some runs. I don't think very many gap plays. Most of it was inside-outside zone from either the dot or from the offset. But Derrick Henry was just – he was just rolling, and he wanted it. I, I wanted him to break a long one. I wanted to see him break 290 yards. You know, I thought, as long as you've gotten here, let's go ahead and go over the waterfalls here and just take it all. <laughs> I like that. Obviously, he's returning to 2021 form, pre-foot injury, of course. Do you think that with the momentum that he is starting to generate at this point in the season, the sky's really the limit for him in terms of production this year? Well, it depends on the blocking unit the whole time. I mean, that's what it depends on. And it depends on the defense. The defense – you know, at, at the Texans, you know, they finally, you know, he made Indianapolis say no moss at the end of that last game we played them. And the Texans were probably full of it too. They, they probably had enough of it too at the time. But there are going to be some challenges down the road as far as defenses are going to stand up and bow their neck and dare the Titans to run it. So it's hard to predict how it will be, but I do know this, that he wants it every time and he, he wants to try to do it. Let's talk about defense and mainly the Tennessee Titans defense because they also had a remarkable game against the Houston Texans. They were able to hold running back Damian Pierce to just 35 yards rushing. Has run defense really become the calling card of this Titans defense? Well, it, it has to be because for this defense, you know, you can you can morph that in and just slot that into the fact of how well they're doing on third down as to how well they're doing on first and second down because they're getting people now in third and seven plus the majority of the time, which really helps your percentage on third down. But you've got to play defense, and you've got to play, you've got to play defense against the run. The other thing that they've done very, very well as of late is tackling because people are starting to get the ball out quicker on them because of the rush. The ball's coming out quicker, but they're not allowing a lot of yards after catch, which is really big. It was really big against Indy. It was big against this group down there. They really didn't have much that threatened them until at the end of the ball game when they just started throwing atomic bombs on them. So to me, I mean, this, this defense has got to be able to be a hang your hat on that because we're going to have to be able to get people out on third down to give our offense more chances. Our offense needs more chances right now because they're missing some pieces. What's the key to a strong third down defense? And what specifically about the Titans makes them especially good at it? Well, third and seven plus is a big thing. Yardage is a huge thing. You know, I mean, it, and you've got to be varied in what you do. You can't, you can't do just one thing. And that's, you know, there's no way you can do that. But the, the start of it is getting people into third and chains where you can just sit there and play the chains, allow them to catch it underneath, and then tackle them. If you're, if you're constantly in a 50-50 bind playing third down, third and four or less, you got problems on defense. you got big problems because then you've got to play the run, then you've got to play the pass, and you're kind of caught in no man's land. Once you get them a third and seven plus, the guys up front can start working their games. They can pin their ears back and go. And then 
in coverage wise, you know that if your guys are able to pin their ears and go, that the quarterback doesn't have a lot of time to hold it. So first and second down is the key to good third down in this league. So what you're saying, the Titans defense is so good because they give themselves options as a drive goes on, basically. Well, first and second down. They've, you know, they've got to win first and second down to have any chance to be a good third down defense because you're not going to statistically be a good third down defense if people consistently get third and four or less. Let's talk about quarterback Davis Mills because he was sacked three times. Bud Dupree was responsible for one of those. Big Jeff also got in on the action. And, I mean, how lucky are the Titans to have a guy like Big Jeff who, no matter what, consistently shows up and just destroys games? Well, he, he destroyed either guard that he was on. He made a tackle once with Kenyon Green's backside. You know, he never touched <laughs> the runner. He just forklifted Kenyon Green up and into the running back put him on the ground. So good. And really, he wasn't down because he had not been touched by a, by a Titan yet. He had been touched by his guard's butt. <laughs> and so that's not down in the National Football League. It's a shame. And so they finally went there. They went there and touched him down. But, look, he's, he's playing a dominant brand of football right now, and he wasn't completely healthy. You know, he didn't practice all last week before we went in to play that game, you know, because of his, uh, his lower uh, leg injury. But uh, he, he is always showing up. He's at a different level right now. He really is. And, uh, you know, if he can get everything back together, well, I mean, he's one of those guys that when you're offensively putting a game plan together, you look and you say, we've got to take care of him or he's going to wreck our entire unit. The third sack came from defensive lineman Demarcus Walker. And in case that name doesn't sound super familiar, he was an offseason free agent acquisition who was with the Texans actually, before coming to Nashville. Mac, what has he brought to the Titans' defense? Well, he's a versatile guy. And, and you know, what, what has happened with, you know, when, when we lost Harold Landry and then Bud Dupree is out for a while, then all of a sudden, you know, Ola Daney's out for a while. All of a sudden, you've got to start getting guys that can – if you're going to be good defensively and rush with four, you've got to be able to roll people. You just can't play with four guys all the time because they wear out. They wear out during the course of a ball game. So what he's allowed – Mike Vrabel, and he's, he's also allowed this defense to be able to do, is a guy that can fill in. He's got a specific skill set that they've found a role for him, and when he goes in there, he produces. So Walker is a native of Jacksonville, Florida, which is another place that we are pretty familiar with. And so I decided to have a little fun with him talking about high school football because, I mean, why not? May as well. So here's my conversation with Titans defensive lineman Demarcus Walker. Demarcus Walker, you're a guy, you're from Jacksonville, Duval County. And something that people don't talk about enough, in my opinion, is high school football in Florida, because it's very different in Florida than it is really any place else in the country. What do you think it is about football in Florida that makes it different? I mean, I feel like every team will have just a few kids that's just unbelievably fast. I mean, it's crazy, um, just the, the competition and just how um, it's so um, surreal down there. Sandalwood was was a blessing. Um, Cause when I got there, there wasn't that much, you know, recruiting going on. Not much buzz. Not much, you know, uh, flow of traffic of guys getting signed and coaches coming through. I can say that to where I was. I was a big part of, you know, that being started. A lot of guys have been signed there since then, out of 2013, and. Um, Having a few guys that uh, made it to the college level, Maurice Wells, Jamar Hornsby, a few other guys that, uh, you know, definitely, you know, um, paved the way for me to be able to be successful 
Sandalwood was good, you know, um, played against a few other guys that came to be um, pretty good college athletes. I wanted to play against Derek, but he didn't want that. You know? <laughs> he didn't want that smoke. Uh -uh, no, not at all. Did you guys ever beat Fletcher High School? No. 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 Not when I was there. Yeah. Uh, you have to bring that question up. <laughs> <laughs> I did. So their former head coach works for the Titans now. No way. Yeah. Well, no way. You can find him later. I need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Abs seriously. Absolutely. Uh. So really, spending time in Florida high school sports, then going to Florida State, do you feel like that was just a continuation of already playing for strong programs? Yes. And then you know when you get into the Florida State locker room. The majority of guys played in the state of Florida and played each other as well. I mean, um, so it was a lot of chemistry, a lot of camaraderie, and a lot more just trash talk going on. So uh, it was a blessing just to stay in the state of Florida and play for a home state. Uh, my mom and dad was able to come visit me and no regrets at all. You a big family man? Absolutely, have to be. Yeah? Have to be. If a man doesn't spend time with his family, he's not a real man. That's Godfather. Cold. That's good. Mm -hmm. I like it. As you move on, you go through high school, you go through college, you get to the NFL, and you bounce around a little bit. Having had the experience of playing for multiple teams, do you think that makes you a better athlete now? Yes. You, you grow in a comfort level. And that's no knock on some guys who've been in on the same team for like 10 to 15 years. But me, you know, uh, being in different atmospheres, different locker rooms, and different systems, I was able to assimilate to where now the Titans, you know, with a tab board more different, but I was able to understand a lot better. You know, when you put the preparation in, you know, it's easy to weave your way in. And then I met with Coach T before, you know, uh, during the draft prep um, year, part of my life. So it's definitely an honor to be here. What is it about Mike Vrabel's football team, Mike Vrabel's coaching that you like so much? He's a player's coach, and he's done it before. Played 14 years in the league. And, I mean, just his energy, his way of thinking, you know, he has coaches moments, but you could just tell, like, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then, like, his scheduling is on point. I really love it. I mean, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's something that you, every guy want to play for. Because, you know, you got guys who set in their ways, who never played a dime of football in their life. And I'm not knocking no coach, you know, because, you know, you got great coaches out here who, who definitely didn't play, but they know the game well. But um, it's a new wave. Like, football evolves in you know, you want coaches that understand the players, and Vabor does that. Being able to have that, it must make it easier to maybe provide suggestions or comments or something like that, correct? Like, you feel like you have a little bit more of a voice. Absolutely. And then just he knows the fatigue, he knows the days, he knows a hard practice because he's been there. You know, he knows what, how, how your mind can be on some days. And, you know, when he switched things, all right, guys, you know, here's what the schedule really was. Like, we're going to fix this and all that stuff. I seen him talking to KB and breakfast the other day, like, how you guys feel about this, this, this. Like, that's, that's, that's big, you know what I'm saying? That's make you want to pay for a coach, you know what I'm saying, and give me your all. So, I mean, him being very hands-on, because, like I said, you got some coaches that's just so old school. It's, it's so set in their ways, and it's just a debacle. Your versatility is something that everybody talks about. Uh, where does that come from? Life. Really? <laughs> Life. It's an uh, existential answer. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been blessed w with a unique skill set to where, you know, a lot of people say I couldn't do this and I couldn't, I'm too little for here, I'm not fast here, I have short arms here. But I proved everybody wrong, you know, and continue working and, you know, finding to my craft day by day. That's something that, you know, I pride myself on, you know. Uh, no one wants a one trick pony, not even women. <laughs> <laughs> Just in talking to you, adaptable is the word that comes to my mind. Do you like that? I love it. 
I love it. I mean, in life, you never know what you're throwing on. You don't, you don't, no one knows what tomorrow will bring or next week or next year. Who would have thought COVID would have came? You know what I'm saying? So how are you able to adapt and be able to assimilate? I just thank God, you know, I'm able to, you know, have that unique skill. And it's not easy, you know, um, because the human mind loves comfort. But, you know, when you know when something's coming, when the door opens, when the door closes, how will you, how will you be able to grow? So being able to adapt and be able to, you know, embrace the uncomfort is something that, you know, you will gain wisdom in, you know, your intelligence. And, you know, you'll be able to hopefully rub that off and share that, you know, testimony with someone else to help them. Because you never know what someone's going through. Demarcus Walker, you're kind of a cool dude. Uh, I'll try to be, you know. Yeah. No, you're to, very cool. Thanks for hanging out with me a little uh, bit. Yeah, I've been through a lot in life, but, you know, I'm able to overcome and help anyone out. I like that. Mm -hmm. It's a good quality to have. It's one of my best interviews right here. That was really good. Yeah. That was strong. Mac, he was a really good sport and let me make a lot, not a lot of fun of him, but mess with him a little bit. And I really appreciated that. And I'm happy to have him on the Titans defense. Well, he's happy to be on the Titans defense too. And plus he knows you're harmless. So, I mean, <laughs> all, of, all of that went together in that. You're right. He's a very good sport, but he's happy to be here. He really is. You know, those kind of guys that get this kind of a chance and then all of a sudden can produce a little bit. Well, then, you know, the door opens up for him. And we've got another guy like that on this team. Tier Tart was like that last year. Finally got his chance, realized good things come if I work a little harder and do some more things. And so good for him. All right, Mac, let's look ahead here. The Titans are getting ready to play the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night football. And before we really get into the, the down and dirty X's and O's of it all, the Titans seem to rise to the challenge of taking on the Chiefs. They've beat them, what, eight out of the last nine times that we have played them. What is it about that team and this matchup that, seems to be kind of in the favor of the Titans. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it, it, each individual game is different. And, you know, since Mahomes has been there, the thing that has happened, the one the times we've beaten Mahomes, Mahomes has always given, given us a little help. You know, the one year we played Mahomes, if you remember, he had an ankle, couldn't quite move around as much, so we cage-rushed him, squeezed him back down in there. And then, you know, he started trying to do too much. And here's here's the thing about Mahomes or any of those really good quarterbacks – they're always going to give you one or two chances to get the ball. But when those moments show up in a game, you got to get them. Well, the Titans, when they have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs, they've capitalized on those moments. You know, one time we played and beat them there in Kansas City, we knocked Travis Kelsey out of the ball game. Well, that helps. You know, and so it's just been those moments in time that the, the Titans have taken advantage of. But when you go into the game, uh, believe me, none of these games that we've played count now because you start looking at them as to where they are now, and we started talking about Mahomes. He's a much more mature quarterback than he ever has been now. He's working through the offense. He's letting the offense work for him. He's got six or eight uh, receivers now that have double-digit catches already on the year. He's spreading the thing around. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a huge, huge challenge this time against him just because you're facing a more mature quarterback. A lot of people in the National Football League are having a hard time figuring out how to contain Patrick Mahomes. Why is that? Why can't anybody really figure him out? Well, it's not figuring him out. It's figuring the offense out because he gets so many, he gets so many chances with what Eric Bieniemy and what uh, Andy Reid do. And plus, look, he's a special talent. He can throw from all different launch points. You know, he's very, very slippery once he moves up inside. And people sometimes get a little bit amped up about going to get him, and they open up 
some gaps. Give him free access. If you give him free access up in the middle of the pocket, he's going to wear you out. And the other thing is now he understands this offense to the point now he's not swinging for the fences every time he takes the ball in his hands and stands back there to throw it. He's taking what the defense is giving them, and so that makes it really hard. You know, since when they lost Tyreek Hill, he lost a guy that could go instantly, you know, from zero to 100 really quick. He doesn't have those guys, but he's got good players. You know, Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster has had a, uh, you know, a career resurrection going there from Pittsburgh. So he's got, he's got a lot of guys that can make plays for him. He's got a really good offensive line in front of him, and he's got a good head coach. I mean, he's in the perfect situation, and when Andy Reid traded up to get him in the draft, everybody said, well, why are you going to get this kid from Texas Tech that is just a run-and-shoot gunslinger? Well, they sat him for a year, taught him, taught him how to play quarterback, and every year since then he's rewarded them. And the guy's, the guy's got what you want. Plus, he's a great competitor. You mentioned Travis Kelsey, and he's a tool that, of course, they use a bunch. He spends a lot of time in the slot, but that's not all he can do, right? Well, he can do anything. He really can. I mean, they can use him. I mean, he, they can use him anywhere that they want to use him. He's a matchup nightmare, Amy. For any defense, not just the Titans defense, any defense, he's a matchup nightmare. And he's one of those guys, you talk about security blankets, he's a security blanket for Mahomes because he knows if he's got one-on-one, he'll throw it to him and expect him just to outmuscle who's ever on him. And so, but he's really good run after catch. He's very, very, he, he's got nuances to his moves, you know, for a tight end. And he's not, I mean, he's a big receiver is what he is. And, but, but he's got the, the power and the strength of a tight end. So, I mean, that's why he's one, of, he is, I think he's one of the one or two premier tight ends in this league. And he's in a perfect, perfect offense. Having so many different assets to an offense has to make it a lot easier for, for them to utilize some of that run-pass option stuff, right? Yeah, they're 21% uh, of, of RPOs, and that's, that's just, that's just a, a little bit of what, of what they do, but they do it very, very well. But as you said, when everybody is on the page with that, the RPOs were invented to make the defense wrong. You know, it's a run-pass option, but the, the quarterback has to be able to read not only what's going on front side, he has to be able to read what's going on back side, and then he has to get on the same page reading what's going on front side and back side at the second level. It's the first one's at the first level, whether to hand it off or, to, or you know, that's run, pass the option to run it or pass it. So to read the, the first line first and see how that is, and then to be able to read the second and third levels to depending on how your coverage is going to be as to where your receivers are going to be open. That's a lot of stuff to think about, Mac. Well, and th- they think about it very quickly. That's why they're good at it. They're really good at it. That's very impressive. Let's talk about those defenses that we're trying to trick. What is the Chiefs' kind of calling card or hallmark on defense? Steve Spagnuolo, a, he's a four-down guy. He's a four-down guy. that uh, He'll sprinkle quite a bit of blitzes in there. He would love to just rush with four and play coverage with seven. Uh, like everybody in the league is, you know, is starting to do. He's been a defensive coordinator in this league for a long, long time. No Spags very well, but he would love to be. You know, we got after Spags here one time uh, when they were here prior to this season, and when we beat him here, he got a little bit blitz heavy, and we got him. You know, and and it cost him. And I think he he learned from that, especially playing against this this football team. So. I mean, he, he's got – I mean, Chris Jones is a guy that's a three technique that is just like Jeffrey Simmons as far as game wrecker. Now, he's longer than, than, than Big Jeff is. He's longer, and he's – I mean, you can't let him take the game over. 
because if you start having problems with him, then he collapses the whole everything that you're trying to do from inside out. They got two linebackers behind the ball that are really fast. And, you know, the Bolton kids already made 40 tackles this year. William Gay is a guy that is super, super fast. But what they do, they're, they're really a, a, they're a technique, sound team. And, and Spags has called defenses for a long time in this league. So very seldom does he get out of control with what he's doing with the calls. They have the third best run defense in the league. How is that going to impact what the Titans are able to do on offense? Well, they're the third best run defense for a couple of reasons. They're good at it, but scores are also separated a lot against their opponents. And once scores get separated by three or more, which they have a lot of because of what they're scoring, uh, then teams can't afford to run the football. So if, you, if, it's gonna, if we're going to keep it close, then the Titans have to be able to move it on the ground successfully and keep pounding at them and see if they're willing to stand up to that. Now, if the score gets separated, you don't have to worry about the run. And that's part of their success is they play the run well early, they get touchdowns early, separate the score, and then people can't afford to fight the clock and the ground game if they want to have a chance to get back in the game. Is Arrowhead one of your favorite venues in the National Football League? It's unique. I mean, it's unique uh, because of – First of all, I mean, they, they put but they put it in the Royal Stadium right there in a huge parking lot. It just sits on concrete. It's a huge, huge parking lot. And it's some of the best tailgating in the world. Some of the best tailgating ever, you know, right there, there in Arrowhead. The best tailgating in the leagues at Lambeau Field. But Kansas City is, is, is close because they've got so much space, you know, and, and they've, done it, they've done it there for years. But inside, it, it's really loud. It was it was the loudest outdoor stadium in the league until Seattle built that thing to concave and push the noise back down inside. I was a little underwhelmed by Seattle and the noise. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, it was loud, and it was, I mean, it, it was playoff loud during an early in the season, regular season game, but it didn't like, I was expecting like my eardrums to be on fire. I was expecting like real, and I was like, Meh, this is cute. I mean, not. Were you want, were you expect to be scared? No, I was just expecting to be overwhelmed by a wall of sound, and that didn't happen for me. But Arrowhead's loud. Arrowhead smells the way I want my whole house to smell. Uh, it's incredible when you are pulling down seventy and you start getting close. Oh yeah, you can and you can see it. Crack your windows because the smell of just like barbecue and grills. And I wish I could bottle it and sell it. Man, it's the best smell in the world. They know what they're doing when they're tailgating there. They absolutely know what they're doing. And they've done it for a long time. And they tailgate in the summer. They tailgate in the dead of winter. They're going to tailgate there. Yep, they'll be there and they're going to be loud and they're going to be into it for the whole game. Um, definitely one of my favorite venues, even though their press box is so high up, it makes me incredibly motion sick. The worst Vistas locker room in the league. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. It's absolutely horrible. Down that little tunnel? It's horrible. It's the worst. The absolute worst. You feel like you're dressing in a prison. Oh. It's it, not good. It's a very interesting. And it's, it's done on purpose. Stadium design. I will say as far as like lower concourses go. Very odd, bit of a maze situation, and it's like one one way of traffic. So if you've got someone coming head on, you're walking down a hallway. I mean, you just have to fight in the middle, and 
Most of the time when I, when, when I was coaching and was going up to the press box, I would beat KC Wolf walking, you know, down that hallway all the time. And, you know, I'd always high five him. Hi, KC Wolf. Hi, coach. You know, we'd high five and keep on moving. Coach, you're an incredibly friendly opposing coach. I don't think Casey Wolf is getting high fives from too many opposing coaches trying to get where they need to go. Casey Wolf is like T-Rex. He's pretty well known around the league. Casey Wolf has also been there for like 40 years. Yeah, he absolutely has. He's a legend. All right. Anything else you want to add, Mac? Have I forgotten anything? I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here. Well, I just want you to take some cotton for your ears. So it's so loud, it's going to overwhelm you. <laughs> no. I, 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 don't, I don't want your eardrums breaking. I want to be overwhelmed. That's the, I want to okay. be overtaken by the wall of sound, and I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen on this game. I mean, it's Sunday night, which is awesome. It's a big game, which is awesome. But like. I mean, it's not going to be playoff level loud at Arrowhead. We've done playoff loud at Arrowhead. That's a whole different ball game. It, you beat them, and then it gets real quiet. Uh, Boom. That, that was a lot of fun. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. We need to have fun again there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I am hoping that the Tennessee Titans are having a lot of fun, and it is not very loud at Arrowhead Stadium. This Sunday night, kickoff is at 7.20 p.m., so that means that Titans Countdown is live on Titans Radio at 6 o'clock p.m. We hope you'll join us. I'll be there. Rhett Bryan will be there. Mac, of course, will be there. Um, so, yeah, the Titans are heading to Kansas City and G-E-H-A Field at Arrowhead Stadium. That is the official name and the only time I will say that. Thank you, because I'll never say it. No, I know. It's Arrowhead. It's Arrowhead. Thank you. Uh, I understand. The sponsors are important, but it's Arrowhead. Sponsors, Don't mess with it. Sponsors are important, but it's Arrowhead. Yep, I felt like I should say it once. Though. You did. So, there you go. For Coach Mac, I'm Titans Amy. Thank you for joining us on the Titans Amy. Podcast.